The scripture reading for today's message comes from the book of James, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 and 14 to 17. My brothers and sisters, do you, with your acts of favoritism, really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a, person, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here, please. While to the one who is poor, you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for these, your people. We pray as your word is proclaimed that you open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. Search our hearts, Lord. We pray that the Holy Spirit walks these aisles. Deliver us from any sin that might be hiding deep within us. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Peter Drucker conducted management seminars for both businesses and for churches. Leadership is what he taught. Leadership is not having a magnetic personality. That can just as well be described as, whole, as having a golden tongue. It's not even making friends and influencing people. That is flattery, he says. Leadership is lifting a person's, a person's vision to higher sights. The raising of a person's performance to a higher standard. The building of a, of a personality beyond its normal limitations. The book of James delivers a, a similar message. 
A person may profess to be a devout believer and may even be able to quote many verses of Scripture. But unless his or her words are accompanied by action, that kind of faith is what, church? Dead. What happens in the parking lot after church more accurately expresses the essence of the validity of our faith than, than many times what happens during a worship service. My, my niece, Denny, and her husband, they, they attended a, a large community church in Ontario. After one of the Sunday services, they stopped to help a person whose car was died. They, they had to give, him, give them a jump. What do you think as the crowd left the megachurch that day that people were saying to them. They were over in their way, and they was just having one-lane traffic. What do you think happened? Get out of the way! Get out of the way. You're holding up traffic. Now, these are folks that had just, and I hate that word, just been to church. Denny said that. They decided that if that's the way that the church was going to act, that they would have to find another church. Tommy Walford, one of my friends, dear, dear friends from Wiener, and this, this comes from, I've heard it and you have too a million times. Tommy used to say, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Y'all have heard that? Y'all have heard that before? I know you have. Do our lives prove that we're followers of Christ? Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. Every good tree produces good fruit. But a bad tree produces bad fruit. Matthew 7, 16, 17. The evidence of fruit is not simply pious devotion and faithful worship. There's more to it than that. The test of faith is how it translates into our behavior. Y'all with me? Do you give generously to others? Are you a generous person? Do you treat the less fortunate with the same deference as you do the wealthy? Do you seek to understand, not just to be understood? A George Gallup poll found that more than half the Americans who are experiencing grief turn to God and prayer and Scripture for comfort. And of those who do, 94%, according to Gallup, said that this is highly effective. What do we talk about all the time? Don't we talk about that, going to the Scriptures and praying, and, and regardless, in the good times or in the bad times? We talk about that, don't we? If these resources are so effective that bring such vast relief to sufferers, imagine how your life and my life would improve if we prayed as fervently for inner peace. Just got through singing about it. Patience and compassion, understanding and tolerance. Our children, our grandchildren, our friends, and our fellow workers Friends, they are watching us. Make no mistake about it. Taking note of, of how we 
live our lives, how we respond in circumstances. We can pray that our lives will be such that people will think, I want to be like him, or I want to live my life like she does. There was a woman living in a, a retirement home. She spent many hours visiting residents in this skilled care wing of, of this home. She would read to them, listen to their stories, offer companionship to those who had very few visits from their families. Well, she died at the age of 93. 93. She retained this youthful vigor, maintaining, maintaining that these visits to the old people were part of her purpose of living. Peter Gomes, minister of Memorial Church at Harvard University, told the, the story of Ernest Gordon, the former dean of, chapel, of the chapel at Princeton. He was captured in World War II at the River Quiet. While he was in a, a Japanese prison camp, Gordon and his fellow British captives, who were initially very religious, reading Bibles, praying, singing, expecting that God would reward them and would fortify them in their faith by freeing them or at least mitigating their captivity. When the men did not receive their expected answers to their prayers, they became angry and disillusioned. Have you ever been there? Church, have you ever been there? If you haven't, you have truly lived a blessed life. They abandoned much of their pious zeal in outward display of worship. They did not, however, lose their interest in caring for one another. As their attention turned to each other's needs, they began to find their faith strengthened and renewed. Is that not the way it is in the church? when we look to the needs of others instead of simply to the needs of ourselves? The religious practice focused more on what they were doing for others rather than simply reciting what they believed. Their compassion for each other brought renewed inner strength and faith. Mother Teresa told of walking down the streets of Calcutta and seeing something moving in the ditch. She couldn't even tell, the article said, that it was a human being. She saw something moving. She had looked carefully to see that it was a man. He was still alive. His whole body, now he was in a sewer, the way the, the article talked. His whole body was covered with worms. She took him back to the center that cared for the dying. It took the sisters three hours to pick the worms off this guy. They bathed him, gave him some food, and introduced him to love. Love without strings attached. You know, I'll love you if you'll love me back. Or I'll love you if you can do something for me. 
or I'll love you back if you'll serve on some committee, or I'll love you back if this or that or something. No strings attached. The man died, but he died with dignity, knowing that he was loved. Knowing that he was loved. As he lay dying, he looked up at Mother Teresa and said, I came here an animal. I leave in death as an angel. That's something we don't see all the time, do we? Sometimes our faith takes us into homes that are not as well decorated as ours. Sometimes our faith takes us into homes that don't smell like ours do. It might involve us with people whose morals are not like ours. It can confront us with situations that seem to defy solutions except to love and to serve that need that lies before us. Faith without action, James says, is dead. A vibrant, living faith produces healthy fruit. I'm going to say that again. A vibrant, living faith produces healthy fruit. James Bender talks about a man, that, a farmer, and each year he would enter his corn in the state fair, and naturally, y'all know where this is going, he always won first place, you know. A newspaper reporter interviewed him and learned something inter interesting as he grew up. The reporter discovered that the farmer shared his seed, his seed corn, with his neighbors. What? What? How can you afford to share your best seed corn with your neighbors when they are in competition with you each year, the reporter asked. Well, did you know, said the farmer, the wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn, you know when it tossles, all around my farm, and it swirls it from field to field. If my neighbors grow inferior corn, cross-pollination will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. If I am to grow good corn, I must help my neighbors grow good corn. Church, are you listening? So it is with our lives. What are you looking for today? Peace? We must bring peace into our homes and our workplaces. You looking for friends? We must become 
a friend. If we're looking for prosperity and well-being, we must help others achieve it as well. Our personal welfare is bound up with the welfare of those around us. That's why the church is called the community of faith. The community of faith. You want this church to be healthy? You have to be healthy. And help your neighbors become healthy. Not in a judgmental way, in a loving, caring, Jesus-type way. If you want to grow good corn, we must help our neighbors grow good corn. In the early passages of, from James that you heard read this morning, he warns against a showing preference to those who display signs of wealth. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, come on up here. But you say to the poor man, you stand over there and sit at my feet. Have you not discriminated against yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? How can we claim, how can we claim to be a Christian and yet discriminate against people? That's easy. That's an easy one. It happens all the time. We're bombarded with messages from advertising, from our peers, and from friends that persuade us that the more we have, the better we are, the more important we are, and the more privileges we deserve. We make our judgments about people based on their, their clothes, their color, their culture, their hair, their size. We show favoritism to those who seem to have more money, bigger homes, or more expensive cars than we do. We strive to become like them to climb this ladder of wealth and financial security. But in the end, when we have climbed to the top of the ladder, we might find it was against the wrong wall. Y'all with me? Our spiritual maturity. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're justified. Everybody with me? The journey begins on the sanctifying process. We become more mature. As Christian people, our spiritual maturity begins with a realization that we're imperfect and that, that without Jesus Christ, you want to stand before God on your own? Anybody? That when God looks at you, at the believer, he sees Jesus. Isn't that great? The world teaches us to admire 
and reward beautiful faces and physiques. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Don't worship that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with us taking care of ourselves we're supposed to and looking the best that we can. But don't worship that. Don't fall into that trap. For the Scripture instructs us to beware the pride and conceit that accompanies riches or adoration of the body. Faith opens our eyes to see beauty in our differences. You know, all of us, and that's one of the beauties, Joe, you mentioned Disciple Bible Study a while ago, the one of the beauties about Disciple Bible Class is that we'll have folks that are as far this way as they can be to folks that are as far that way is, is what can be, and nobody has died yet. You know, you know what I'm saying? We get to where we can listen to one another. And what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful dialogue. We can learn from one another. From the most unlearned to the most accomplished scholar, we can learn from one another. Because every now and, and again, the Holy Spirit will speak through somebody about something. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Your heart just does a, a jumps in your chest. And you think, wow. Lord, I've never thought about it that way. There's a broadening enrichment that, that can bring us to the point to where, we, to where we can learn. To learn from those even who see the world from a different perspective. We're fortunate that James wrote this letter. We really, really are. We need these warnings. We need these teachings because we're all influenced by our culture. We're prone to making judgments about people before we have the facts. Most of the time it's by appearance, and that's wrong. It's diametrically opposed to appropriate Christian behavior. During the years of, and y'all have heard this story. I'm not telling you anything that, that's new to you this morning. During the years of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, he didn't go to church regularly because on Sunday his presence was disruptive. Y'all understand that, can't we? All of us can. However, he often went on Wednesday evening service uh, at, at the New York Avenue Presbyterian Church. He usually sat in the pastor's study with the door open where he could hear the service. And he had relative seclusion. On such a night, he brought a White House aide with him. Walking home, the aide asked the president, how'd you like the sermon? It was well thought through, powerfully delivered, very eloquent was Lincoln's reply. Oh, continued the aide, you thought it was a great sermon. No. No, the president said. It failed. It failed. It failed because Dr. Gurley did not ask us to do something great. 
Bring that baby up here. <laughs> Bring that baby up here if you want to. I'll hold him. I haven't seen you anyway. Come here to me. Come here to me. How about this, church? Okay. Look here. Look here. I leave you with this challenge as your pastor today. As your challenge. Uh, he's not going anywhere. Well, hold that head up. Is that okay? Do something great with your faith this week. Will y'all? Will you do something great with your faith this week? Well, I don't know, Tommy. I don't know. Come here. Thank you. Thank you. But I promise you, you're not disrupting anything. You hear me? Okay. It's the first time I've ever had that happen. I leave you with this challenge. Do something great with your faith this week. You're a child of the king. My goodness gracious. You can begin by engaging each person you come into contact with. Is, whether that person is a millionaire, a mailman, a grocery clerk, preacher, parking lot attendant, the waiter at a restaurant, the teenager that has driven you to want to jump off a cliff. Y'all know what I'm saying? Practice your tolerance when you engage in conversation with those whose values or opinions are different from yours. Exercise patience. Listen attentively with compassion. Recognize that our, our spiritual maturity begins with the realization that without grace, hear what I'm saying, without grace, none of us stand a chance anyway. You need to understand that. Without grace, without the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, loving you so much, he died for you, none of us stand a chance anyway. So go try to be good enough. Live your faith where it's manifested by your works in that. What kind of corn are you planting? What kind of seed corn? And are you sharing that with your neighbors? Are you sharing it with a friend to help them become the person that God has called them to be? In God's mercy, he accepts us. He loves us and sacrifices. Everything that he had for us, church, go do something great. Amen and amen.